The reading is from Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7, the whole chapter. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Arvon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content, if we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, they have lied, they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe that the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan that the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family that the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua made Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. <coughs> the clans of Judah... <coughs> The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerahites were chosen. 
He made the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua made his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent, and all that he had, to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan they heaped up a large pile of rocks which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, John. Well, good morning. It's lovely to see everyone today. I've been on holiday the last couple of weeks, so I haven't seen many of you. Um, I've been in Finland, and it's true what they say of Finland, that it, uh, the weather is not great. It's even worse in England. As soon as we got over there, it started raining, so that was a bit depressing. But otherwise, it was very nice, so it's nice to be back with you all today. A special welcome to you if you are new this morning. Just trying to see if I can see any new faces. Don't worry, I'm not going to get you up the front. But it's great to see you this morning. This reading that we've just had read to us is a difficult, difficult passage. It is not really what we want to hear. And I've, I've wrestled with this passage this last week as I've been reading this scripture. God is a God of judgment. And, and that's not a nice thing to hear. And so I'd ask that you would have grace with me this morning as I preach uh, from this word, the word of God, that I would say what God says and not what I have to say about this because it is a difficult passage. Please remember that I am just a curate, and, uh, and I'm not the vicar of this church. <laughs> so give me grace this morning as I preach. And to say, really, if you're a visitor here today, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, then I would say this message is directed at Christians. This is a message for Christians. So if you're a visitor here today, then this isn't directed at you, and I'm glad that you can be with us this morning. Let's begin by praying, shall we? I think we need some prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word has power. Thank you that your word brings life. And even though, Lord, this is a difficult passage to read, to hear, Lord, I pray that you give me wisdom as I speak. Lord, would I say what you want me to say and not what I have to say? 
Lord, would you speak through me and give me that wisdom? And Lord, I pray that you would help us as a congregation to have ears that are open to hear what you are saying to us as individuals, but also as a church. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this place now. In Jesus' name, amen. As I've been reading this, these verses, I've seen, you know, God is a lot more serious about himself than I am about God. God is a lot more serious about this topic than I am about this topic. And I've titled this sermon, The Seriousness of Sin. Sin has consequences. Sin is serious. And as I've said already, my prayer this morning is that that we would go to Scripture together. And so I would ask, if you've got your Bible, open them up to page 221 um, that we've just had read to us by John, and that we would read this message together. Even if we've had this read to us this morning, you've, you've kind of got to take a step back from these words and say just, wow, did that really happen? Because of the sin of one man, did 36 people get killed? Did the whole of Israel be affected by the sin of just one man? This is what it says in the Word of God. And I believe this Word is true, that this Word has power, this Word brings life. And we have to take what it says. God is a God of judgment. God is serious about sin. God is serious about His name. God is a holy, holy God. So please, let's look at this together this morning. Many of us here in this room like the game of football. And um, I myself, Richard and I were just having a talk before, talking about cricket. I'm not a huge fan of cricket either. Football, I've never really understood the game of football, to be honest. And I'm sorry if that offends some of you who are huge football fans. It doesn't offend many of you. That's good to hear. I've never really understood what's it all about. You've got these overpaid people running around a field, kicking a ball around, and it's just, what's it all about? I've never really understood. Give me a car event any day over a game of football. A few months ago, I was given some very nice tickets, actually, by someone to go and see Crystal Palace, who were my local team growing up. Crystal Palace were playing against Chelsea, and this was at Stamford Bridge Football Ground in London. For those of you who have been, know that it's a lovely ground. As we turned up at this place, we were greeted by people at the door. We had a three-course meal put on for us, wine, champagne. We got showed to our seats 10 minutes before the start of the game. We had good seats, had a nice view. We had legroom. I didn't have an angry, sweaty man screaming in my ear, football songs. It was a nice day. Half-time came, and there was a pork pie waiting for me at half-time. You can't say better than that, can you? Pork pies at halftime and cheese. It, it, was, it was a great, great, memorable day. If you were to say to me, George, come and see this game of football with me, but, but it's gonna be, you're going to be in the normal stand with everyone else, you're not going to have a good view, you're going to have a manky pasty at halftime, I'm probably not going to jump at it, if I'm honest. And I'm sorry that you have to hear that. Don't let that put you off from inviting me to a game ever, but it's not really my thing. And I say this, there is a point. I say this because when I look at the church in this country, actually when I look at the church in the Western world, everything often has to be just right for us. Do we have to have the right music? We have to have the right speakers. We have to have the right children's groups for our children. We have to have the right people that we can socialize with. Everything has to be just right. And I'm speaking to myself here as much as I am to all of us. It has to be just right. 
But when I read this message, when I read the New Testament particularly, and I see these disciples, these guys that were sold out for the gospel, that were willing to go out and to preach the word of God, even though it might cost them their lives, are we, are we up for this? Are we really serious about this stuff? Because in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, to fear God truly meant to fear God. This was not mucking around. To fear God meant to fear God. To take up your cross and to follow Christ meant that you may well die for this message. When I see a football fan and I see you know, someone that, that follows what's going on in the league, someone that goes to loads of games, someone that has all the stuff, someone that talks about it, to me that is a fan. That is someone that enjoys the game of football. I'm not. I'm just there if everything's nice. And we've got to ask ourselves the question, you know, when we come to church, are we, are we here to really press into God? Are we here because it's a social club? Because it's, it's not meant to be a social club. This is about us coming to pray to God in heaven, a divine being. And God is a God of judgment as well. You know, often we talk about God as a God who is all-loving, and God is all-loving. A God is full of mercy. Yes, God is full of mercy. But God also has other attributes as well. One of those is as a God of judgment. He's also a God of wrath. He's a God of holiness. And this part, the God of judgment, we don't often, we don't like that word judgment because it makes us scared because our society does not talk about this stuff. We don't talk about sin. We don't talk about judgment. But it says in the word of God that one day we will all have to stand before our maker in heaven and we will have to give an account of what we've done on this earth, good and bad. And our judge, our just judge will judge us on what we have done. And the answer is Jesus Christ. If we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, then he has paid that price. God has come as judge in the face of Jesus Christ. We need to believe and to trust in him and to repent for the things of which we've done, to come to Jesus. This is a hard message to give. There's a man called R.C. Sproul who said, A God who is all love, all grace all mercy, no sovereignty, no justice, no holiness, and no wrath is an idol. It was actually Matt that gave me this text, which I love. I'm just going to read it again. A God who is all love, all grace, all mercy, no sovereignty, no justice, no holiness, and no wrath is an idol. See, that is a challenge to us, isn't it? That's a challenge to us as the church. If you have your Bibles open if you don't, open them to page 221. And let's look together at this message from Joshua chapter 7. This is the text that I've been wrestling with this week and has caused me to ask the question, am I as serious about God's commandments and about his purity as he is? Am I as serious about God's commands and his purity as he is? And honestly, the answer is no, I'm not. God is serious about sin. Joshua 7 verse 1 says, But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. 
So what's this talking about? There's a guy called Achan. And often when Israel went into battle against other cities, other nations, God would say to them, because these people are unholy, I want you to wipe everything out. Not to leave one thing. Everything has to be gone because these people are unholy. There were sometimes devoted things that the Israelites were to take and were to devote them only to the Lord. In this case, there were some of these devoted things. And this man Achan comes along and he sees these devoted things that are supposed to go to God and he covets them, it says in this scripture. He covets these things and he takes them and he hides them underneath his tent with the silver underneath. This is what it says. Achan stole these things. It's only Achan that knows about this, and God. No one else knows about this. Now, what happens next is that Israel go into battle against this place called Ai, A-I. And the people of Ai chase the Israelites, and they kill 36 of the Israelite clan. 36 are dead. 36 families are ruined because of what's happened, because of the sin of this one man, Achan, that he has stolen these things. Sin is costly. Now what happens now is the Israelites, Joshua in particular, Joshua's on his knees, he's praying, he's crying out, he's fasting, and he's saying, God, what's happened? This doesn't happen. We don't lose in battle. You're with us. This never happens to us. What's going on? God says to him, stand up. I love that verse there where it says, stand up. Get off your face. This is the command of God, stand up. And he says, there is someone that has taken some of these devoted things. Find that person and have them removed. So Joshua finds this person, Achan, who it is. And it says, verse 20, Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So they go and they find this stuff in the tent, as Achan has said. And then it says, verse 25, Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord God will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day, Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Wow. Now, some of us, we hear that. And if you're like me, honestly, I think that's not fair. Because of the sin of one man, 36 people are killed. Because of the sin of one man, a whole... The whole of Israel is affected by this sin. How is that fair? And this is the passage that that makes me ask the question, am I serious about sin? Am I serious about holiness? Am I serious about purity as God is? And I'm not. It's an intense passage, but this is what we see God do. How serious are we about the purity of the church? We're so much, as I've said already, we're so much about the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. Yes. But when do we speak of the judgment of God? That we will be judged. When do we speak of the holiness of God, of the purity of God? That God cares about sin far more than we do. 
You know, and it's not just in the Old Testament. We read in the New Testament, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Okay, this is a really difficult passage as well. This couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a plot of land. And this is the early church is on the move. The Holy Spirit is doing incredible things. People are coming to faith. Ananias and Sapphira sell a plot of land. And they bring what they've made from this plot of land to the disciples in the church. But they hold some of it back. They're not completely honest. They lie. And what happens is the Holy Spirit slays them. And the whole church are seized with fear because of what they've just seen. See, can you imagine that? It's like me saying to Sarah Jane and Richard, guys, you know, come up here. Tell me the truth. Has this happened? And you guys lie. And, and that's it. Down. In, in Christ Church, 2019. Can you imagine if we saw that? We would be seized with fear. Wouldn't we? And then for me to say to John and Moira, guys, come up and, and now tell me the truth. Would you tell me the truth? I think you probably would. <laughs> but this is serious. This is what happened. And I think so often we come to church and we think, you know, everything is nice and we've got our comforts and we've got these nice things. This is in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is on the move. Who are we to stand in the way of God? Because God is God and we are not. God is a righteous, just judge. And I think that's why so many of us, we have a problem with, with hell. We have a problem with, with judgment, with punishment. We have a problem with God flooding the earth. And I'm not going to get into a debate about hell and, and, and what that is. That's for another time, hopefully not me. But we have a problem with this stuff because we focus as a society on love. And as a church, we talk about love, and God is a God of love, but he is also a God who judges, and he is a just, righteous judge. In this passage in the Old Testament, it wasn't just about Achan's sin. Oh, Achan, you idiot, what are you playing at? Achan's sin affected the whole of Israel. Our sin today in the New Testament doesn't just affect us. We're a family as a church. We are the body of Christ. If one of us sins, then all of us are affected by that. All of those around us are affected by that. Isn't it true, if I was to be myself in ongoing sin, then that would affect the church. But it's not just me. All of us, if we are in ongoing sin that we have not confessed, that affects those around us, that affects the wider church, the body of Christ. And I would say, if you're a Christian here this morning, and there is something in your life that you're holding on to, a sin in your life that you refuse to give up, then, then you need help. You need prayer. And this is why I believe that accountability is so important, because when you have accountable relationships, people that challenge you, people that can ask you difficult questions... It helps so much. I've had an accountability partner for the last 10 years, someone that I speak with every single Wednesday. We have a chat for about an hour every Wednesday. And it's great. He asks me tough questions. He asks me, how's things going? How's your marriage? How's your prayer life? He keeps me accountable and he prays for me. And honestly, I can say, if it wasn't for that, if I didn't have someone in my life like that asking me these difficult questions, I don't know if I'd be here today. We all need that. We need accountability. We need to realize that our sin has consequences, that our sin doesn't just affect us, it affects those around us as well. What I don't want you to do is to take this passage 
and to go pointing the finger at other people and saying, hang on, what about you? I've seen this sin in your life. What are you going to do about it? It says in Matthew 7, verse 5, You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We're not to look to other people. We're to look to ourselves, that we stand before God. We stand with all that we are before God. What are we doing? How are we contributing to the body of Christ? What is going on in our lives that needs prayer, that needs to be changed? See, this is not an easy thing to hear. This is as much for me as anyone else. What is going on in my life that I need prayer for, that I need to change? Sin is serious. And honestly, that is why the gospel is such good news. I think growing up in the church, we, the gospel and the good news, we've heard it so much, haven't we? This is for us as Christians. We, we hear this message that, that Jesus died for our sins on the cross 2,000 years ago, and it almost becomes you know, a bit like, well, what does that really even mean anymore? This is why the gospel is such good news, because Jesus saves us from this stuff. This sin that we see in Achan's life, that Achan was stoned because of this. We all have this in our, in our lives. We covet things. We do things on a daily basis. The only reason Jesus came to this earth to die for our sins is to save us from those things. God is a righteous judge who gives us Jesus Christ. That's why this message is so good. And honestly, when we're out talking to our friends, to, to non-Christians about, about Jesus, actually, I think they want to know what it is that they're saved from. You know, have we, have we got this watered-down message that just says, you know, Jesus died for your sins, but what does that really mean? He died for our sins because sin is so serious. Because we all have this in our lives. Jesus died for us on the cross to give us freedom, to give us a second chance, to give us new life. And maybe for some of us who've been Christians for years, we need to hear that message again. Because that message has power. The power of the cross. The power of Jesus Christ. God is the God of judgment who comes in the face of Jesus Christ to take away our sins if we accept him as our Lord and Savior. We have to choose repentance. We have to choose to say, God, I'm sorry. And his mercies are new every single morning. I love that. Every single morning, God's mercies are new. We have an opportunity to do that. I'd just like to show us a video clip. And some of you might have seen this clip before. It's from the Alpha series. And I think it demonstrates to us actually quite well what, what God does in Jesus Christ. So if we could play the video. Thank you. There once were two little boys who were best friends. They played together, went to school together, they even went to university together. They were inseparable. Until their careers took them in very different directions. One became a lawyer, the other a criminal. As one was promoted to a judge, the other disappeared deeper and deeper into a life of crime. Eventually, the criminal was caught and sent to trial. 
On the fateful day in the courtroom, he came face to face with his old best friend, the judge. And so the judge had a dilemma. He loved his friend, but he had to do justice. And so he fined him the appropriate penalty for the offence. It was a huge fine. There was no way he could ever afford to pay what he owed. But then the judge took off his robes, went down, stood with his friend and wrote out a cheque covering the cost. He paid the penalty himself. That is what God does in Jesus Christ. That is why this message, this gospel is such incredible news that we have an opportunity to, to say sorry. We have an opportunity to repent, to come to Jesus just as we are and say, this is what I've done. God, thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for giving me another chance. I'd just like to leave a space for us now to think about maybe there's something in your life at the moment that you're living in, that you're struggling with, that you can't seem to shake off, that you can't give up, and just to think about those things and to bring them to God and to say sorry to God. Let's just spend a moment thinking about that and then I'll pray. God, thank you that we can celebrate that you are the God who is judge. Thank you, Lord, that you are the judge and we're not. Thank you that we can come into your presence. Thank you that we can approach you as your children. Thank you that we have an opportunity to say sorry. Thank you that you've given us that opportunity in Jesus Christ. Thank you that this message of Jesus, this gospel, really is good news. For those of us that have experienced that, we know how good this news is. But Lord, help to remind us the seriousness of sin and its consequences, but also the seriousness of what you did on the cross. For us to remember that, that we need to repent, but that you love us and that you welcome us in, those who say they're sorry. And Father, I pray that you would help us in this, help us to, to confess, to live out these things, to love one another, to be accountable to one another, and to truly embrace what it is that you did for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.